HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we find out how Brexit could be changing the way that Brits eat. If you're not getting your food from the European Union, where Britain gets 30% directly, well, where are you going to get it from? As I put very succinctly, bye-bye fresh peaches from Italy, hello tinned peaches from Florida. Bye-bye fresh oranges, hello tinned oranges. Bye-bye free-range beef, hello hormone-injected beef. Tune in to hear about the UK's struggle to stabilize its food system on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. This is What Doesn't Kill You Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we are broadcasting live from Lisbon, Portugal. Right now, I am sitting in the absolutely adorable restaurant called A Tapas No Mercado, and it is the child of Sonia Maurizio e Pedro Baptista. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today and taking some time out of your day. So you are obviously a total guru in the sense that you know everything about the Leb- uh, Lisbon, um, you know, I food scene. <laughs> yeah, well, you've I'm already, curious. in like two yeah. seconds, you've already answered like 20 questions that most people never think about. So I appreciate yeah, I'm that. I'm just curious. <clears throat> This I is try a great to quality. find the, the answers to my question. That's yes. All. <laughs> Same here. That's why I do my radio program. Um, so I want to talk a little bit uh, right now about sort of where your restaurant is located in an old and large uh, open market. Um, it is a covered market, but it, it's it's got multiple, multiple spaces for all different kinds of vendors, fruits, vegetables, fish, people you would die if you saw the fish here, honest to God. Um, and the meat, which looks really weird, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> it does. Your meat has zero marbling. Zero. Yeah. I mean, in America, we prize meat that says fat all the way through it, so it's much more tender mm-hmm. um, and flavorful, frankly, because fat brings flavor. Yes. You know that as a Obviously. cook. But uh, this is like slabs, a roast standing rib roast that is just like one bright red surface with not one iota of fat running through it. I guess it has to be with uh, the perception of the consumers about quality. So, (laughs) 
Portuguese do like to, of course, they like the, the flavor of the, the fat of the meat. Yeah. But when they buy, they tend to buy, to buy less fat meats. Really? It's more appealing to I think it has to do with the perception of quality. But then by contrast, uh, we have um, the incredibly widespread uh, consumption of chorizo and sausage, which is larded, literally which loaded we put with in fat. a different section. <laughs> yeah. We have the section of the meats and then the section of the sausage. Yeah. Yeah. So we do classify things in a different way. Um, meat is something that you eat in a daily basis. Sausage you used to add to the, your cookings, or you do small meals with sausage, but you don't do it every day. You do it, uh, let's say, once a week, twice oh, a week. Oh, is that right? Yes, twice a week. Uh -huh. In the old days, people, because of the, the, the lack of meat or the price of the meats, sure. used to eat more. In our days, we still like them, we love them, but we know it's not exactly the best for our, our health. So Interesting. We tend to reduce a bit the quantity. Yeah. Not stopping to consume, but reducing to what is considerable wise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, sausage consumption goes on apace. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we are more demanding about the quality, which is yeah. good. Yeah. No, I mean, we've, I, to be honest with you, we have cooked almost every night. We don't eat a lot out because we're out all day, mm. you know, sightseeing and marching around Lisbon. And by the time you've done a few of those hills, baby, I'm going to tell you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Heading back out into the wilds there. Lisbon is all up and down, Oh, up and down, my and Lord. <laughs> a friend of mine called me from London and she said, are you uphill or downhill? Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. So talk a little bit about the, um, you mentioned before we started recording, the shouting that went on in the markets. Now the market as we see it now is, is clearly a shadow of its former yes. glory. Um, but talk a little bit about that tradition of how well, people I would shout up, out. I, I grew up in this neighborhood, so I know uh, this market since I was a child. And it used to be a very busy market. Everything was full in a Saturday morning. You couldn't even walk inside. Wow. Because it was very, very crowded. These streets, uh, the streets around it, uh, the, the larger ones, uh, were allowed to have trucks of farmers selling directly the products to the consumer. Wow. Which is not allowed anymore. Um, but it was very popular to come to the market, at least on Saturday morning. Since the women start working out of the house and have their jobs, what happened is that the, the schedule of the markets are not suitable to our lifestyle anymore. Wow. So they only open in the morning from 7 to 2 o'clock. Yes, I noticed. Um, 2 p.m., which means that for a working person, mm -hmm. men or women, it's almost impossible to come to the market. You don't come to the market before going to your job. No. Um, you don't have where to store the products. Or even during lunchtime, cannot buy products, fresh products, because then you don't have where to store it. Right. So our lifestyle uh, today is not matchable to the, the schedule of the market. And for that, the decline of the, the markets, um, it's here and for the last, I would say, 15 years, you've seen a huge decline, a very huge decline of the, the, the markets. Yeah. Now, why, let me ask you this, you were talking, when we were talking about timeout market and how that market mm -hmm. had fallen into disrepair, and, and basically the mayor 
leased that market out to Time yes. Out, and they sort of re renovated it. And we'll talk a little bit about the politics of how they've shunted all the vendors off to the side. But, but why, if the mayor can do something like that, why can't he change the timing of the markets? Why would people not? Um, it has to be with a lot of factors. For instance, the vendors, they, they, they say they cannot extend the, 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 the schedule due to the, the way they, they buy their products. Uh -huh. They have to, to buy it out of Lisbon where the central gross market is installed. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the schedule for that market, which is a bit far from Lisbon, yeah. Um, it's not matchable. They need to go there very early in the morning. So yeah. at around like three five, or four in the morning. Yes, yeah. three, four, uh, five a.m. And they cannot then extend their day. I see. And because it's an old culture of family business, they don't have the habit of contracting uh, employees. Ah, very so, interesting. If you look at the, the, the vendors here, yeah. it's always uh, within the family. So husband and wife, yes, I probably know one of their sons or daughters that wants to pick the business. It's a tough life. Yeah. It is a tough life. It's like agriculture. It's, you get early very, you get up very early in the morning. Yes. You don't have exactly free time. So the young generations don't want to have that kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. And the vendors see the business in a very conservative way. Uh -huh. And it's very difficult for them to accept hiring people. Yeah, because for example, in, in Madrid, where we were last year, we had two big markets like this within a couple of blocks of where we were staying. And although they were clearly in decline as well, they had the markets closed from two to five. And then they were open again from five to seven or nine. In some regions of Portugal, you see that already. For instance, in uh, the south, oh, me. Uh -huh. in the south, they are trying that, and apparently it's not working bad. So right, they decided to open the market also after five uh, p.m. And same, some vendors did um, support that idea, but not all of them. So, for instance, you can have the fruit and vegetable. Um, going forward with that schedule, but you don't have the meat or meat. Yes, they do. The fish. Yeah. Fish is almost impossible to, to yeah. meet that schedule. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, can we talk a little bit about <clears throat> the fishing industry because fish is such a major part of the Portuguese diet? Mm -hmm. um, how how is that? How are you guys managing your fisheries here? Because in the United States. We've had a lot of conflict with our, both the fishermen and, um, you know, competing interests, and we have the big consolidation of fishing fleets that are driving the small fishermen out of business. There's that, and then we have a program called Catch Share, um, which was phased in sometime in the '80s, which a lot of fishermen are not happy with, but that seemed to be better in terms of preserving fishing preserving stock. The, the species, yes. So, how does Portugal manage its fishing fleet? Uh, Portugal is within the European Union rules, yeah. and they do have quotes. Of course, they have quotas. Yes, yeah, and it's it's distributed according to to the the, the, the sea coasts, of sure. course, the fleets. Yeah, and, uh, yes. The biggest problem in Portugal is specifically with the sardines. Uh huh. Because the consume of sardines is very 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 high. Yeah. 
and apparently you see the decline on the species. Right. Well, what about cod? Always, because cod is also your cod is staple. From the, the, the that's northern, not Nordic seas. Yeah, that's so, not. It's not indigenous no, it's, to this area. So basically, we do have our share of quote, and we have the fleets that go there. So. Yeah. Huh. And we do import a lot of cod from Norway. Uh huh. Oh, a wow. Lot. Interesting. Yeah, right. You must because I've, I've heard some say that we're probably the highest importer of um, cod fish. I would from think Norway. so because I have literally never seen so many opportunities to consume bacalao yes. in every single form, like an unbelievable number of forms. At some stage, it was the octopus. Ah. Then it was substituted by the, the, the codfish. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. In the old days, it was the, 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 pulpo. the pulpo. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. And now let's talk a little bit about the regional products that you use in your restaurant and your menu, which I noticed doesn't have bacalao. No, no. <laughs> the, no Much to our relief. And even we don't you. work with fish at yeah. all. And the reason is because we decided we 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 I'm from Lisbon and my 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 husband is from the south, but my father's in laws are from the highest mountain in the Portugal continental, uh -huh. which is Serra da Estrela, and we lived there for four years. My husband seven weeks for four years, and we basically love the cheese from that region. Yeah, and the sausage. And it's probably one of the regions in Portugal where you still preserve the old uh, receipts of doing the sausage. Right. So the quality of the sausage is fantastic. It's way better than in another region. Although you have the opposite side, which is the, the, the lower production. So most of those products, you don't find them out of that region. Right because they don't produce enough to distribute to the whole country. So for us, opening a small restaurant was an opportunity to bring those products because we will never demand the, the, the amount of products that are out of the range they can produce. So right, sure, of course. We, during these four years, we established contact with the small producer. We selected the ones we wanted to bring. It was a very interesting trying. It wasn't, <laughs> yes, trying food is always good. Yeah. <laughs> so we found the, the right providers uh, for our sausage yeah. and uh, with the quality we want and with the safe conditions, the food safe conditions right. we wanted. Of course, yeah, yeah. And for the cheese as well. Yeah. And, and your cheese is made from sheep's milk primarily, yes. sheep, goat, cow? No, 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 just sheep's. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, just sheep milk. And it's a, a two or three spe specific species of um, sheep's that they eat specifically kind of herbs uh -huh. from the mountain. Fantastic. So the flavor of the cheese and the way it's made, it's... Um, Totally different from other cheese you can find. Well, we're going to be sampling that cheese. Yes. You can, you can be <laughs> better. We're cheeseaholics. The most famous um, <laughs> form of the cheese is the melty one. Yes. So it's very creamy inside. Um, normally, in a restaurant, we have to store it in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. At your house or at your home, 
you, you don't store it in the refrigerator. Oh my God, Pedro was reading our minds. A small obviously. sample. <laughs> A small sample. Thank you so much. My gosh, you can hear our plates being set. This is so exciting. And with the special honey and the special something else. It's a jam, a red pepper jam. That you make? No, uh, it's made also in the mountains, in a small factory in the mountains. Oh, really? Fantastic. Yes. And pumpkin sweet, very traditional. Yeah, yeah, we mix a lot of pumpkin sweet with the cheese. Pumpkin? Pumpkin sweet. Really? In the north. One of the most famous desserts we have uh, in that region is the fresh sheep milk cheese named Riquejão. Riquejão, it's the Riquejão. It's very similar, when you try it, you'll see it's very similar to the ricotta, the Italian ricotta. Yes. But it tastes slightly different because it's only sheep milk. Yeah. Okay. And we, we mix that, as a dessert, we mix that with the pumpkin sweet. Ah, I see. So it's a very simple yeah. dessert. It doesn't require any cooking at all. Thank goodness. And it's so, 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 so. I'm just going to try it. It's basically oh, not an explosion of flavors inside your mouth. Okay, we're going to experience that right now. Okay, dig that. Very ricotta-esque. Yes. With the sheep tang. Got it. Okay, now I'm going in for my fantastic pumpkin sweet, which is truly made with like a big squash. Is that what you yes. mean by the pumpkin? Yes. Fantastic. The biggest one. Fantastico. The ones and you used to, to you, you normally use for the Halloween. Yes, so right. The big ones. Now, Sonia, have you spent time in the States? Have you and Pedro been I've to? been there once, only uh -huh. with Pedro in uh, New York. Uh-huh, that's my hometown. Yes, we love New York. Did you? We will, get, we will return there someday. <laughs> mm. Oh, that is great. That is really great. It's a very simple dessert. Doesn't require any <coughs> cooking. No, but I, I love the sheepy taste of the yeah. fresh cheese. The Portuguese cuisine, as you probably notice, is very conservative in terms of preserving the natural uh, taste of the elements. Uh huh. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Now, one thing that I, you know, the entire time I've been here, which is now two weeks, 
I have over and over again been struck by the extraordinary work of the explorers, the great Portuguese mm -hmm. explorers. And I think people forget what an extraordinary world power Portugal was back in its heyday in the what, 15th, 16th centuries. And so when we went to, um, the, there's a big, near the Tower of Belém, there's that mm -hmm. big um, sort of monument, you know, to the explorers. And then they have a map set into the sidewalk that shows you where every expedition went, going back as far as like 1433, I think was the earliest one. India, <clears throat> Africa, you know, Angola, uh, um, I think Namib Namibia maybe. <clears throat> in any case, <clears throat> all around the African continent, yes, all around India, into Americas. China, the Americas. Although you apparently didn't like it so much in the North America, obviously oh, Brazil. The power, oh, the the empire was already so spread. It yeah, and the population of Portugal has been always very small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all these fleets and all this power. We did had a lack of manpower. <laughs> yeah. So it was a strategic has, choice, I think, yeah. at the time. Well, in terms of trade, obviously, these were where you were getting groovy stuff. But what uh, struck me is how much bringing those populations back to Portugal and bringing the spices back and products back, how much that would have an impact on the cuisine. Total, the evolution of cuisine here, impact. and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Total impact. We use a lot of uh, species and spices, mm -hmm. uh, herbs. Um, we started to grow a lot of uh, different vegetables, fruits that were not present in Portugal at the yeah. time. So it, it, it changed totally the habits of the, the, the cuisine in Portugal. Yeah, the potato, yes. Oh, yeah, the potato, right? It was not present. Uh, of course. It used to be the chestnuts. Oh, oh really? Or the potato. No kidding. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I do see people, sellers here, selling chestnuts and those little clams, mm -hmm. or whatever they are, the little mollusks. Yes. What are those called, those shellfish? Uh, we have a meijua. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your language Conquilla. is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a world. <laughs> yeah, the language and is also, amazing here. And also, because of the, the coast of Portugal is so different from the north to the, north to the south, we have different species along the coasts. Yeah. Um, have you seen the bark? Bar the barnacles? Yeah, yeah, the barnacles. They were so terrifying, <laughs> I wasn't able to try them. I just couldn't. So I had friends tasty. saying that they were just amazing. They, I love them. It's really? so tasty. It's, Do they taste well, like they, fish? Yes. Are they fishy? Yes. Okay, that's a yes. drag. <laughs> they taste like very fresh fish. Uh, uh -huh. Very fresh. And the texture, some people don't like exactly the texture. I love them. It's yeah. like a chewing gum. Like a chewing gum. Yes. Oh, they're chewy. Yes. Like an escargot, kind of. Almost. Uh, almost. Uh, Less harder. Uh huh. The oh, there's uh, yes. So they're squishier but, but chewier, you, you, like you a gummy. Can, you, you, <laughs> yes, it's a gum but with meaty inside, so it's very. But we have even uh, stranger than that. Tell in me. Azores. In Azores, we oh, have yeah. one that looks like a rock. Really. And the animal is inside in small holes, like a volcano. A volcano. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to pick them from the inside. The name is Krakash. 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 
It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's thank very God you are presenting. It's very you. But they're terrifying. And uh, for instance, if you look at the barnacles, you look like it seems that you are eating something from the dinosaur periods. <laughs> Totally. Yes. Absolutely. And there's also a shell that I've taken many photographs of that has lots, of, you know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a whelk or a, they're about this big and they have spines sticking off of the shell, but it's a ah, spiral. Yes. yes. It's very uh, pretty. Lapish. They're lapish. very pretty. Yeah. Lapish. Also very tasty. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's also a bit of shrinkum. Yeah. <laughs> They're very tasty. Very popular in the... Um, up to in, in Azores, in Madeira, and uh, if you go along the coast north from Lisbon, you have Irisaira and Peniche, which are uh, coast uh, cities in the coast, and yeah. they are very popular, and you can find out. Yeah, I'm sure. Some years ago, we had so many of those in the beach that when you when we went to the, go to the beach, we used to, to take them out of the rocks. Oh, <laughs> sure. So, very fresh and yeah. then cook it at home. Right, fresh. right, right. Well, when, when we were growing up, we grew up in the same town. Mm. Um, and when we were growing up, we could do that with mussels and clams yes. on our coast same as year, well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't do that so much anymore. I don't know why. But anyway, that was a big part of our growing up was like going mussling or going clam. Have you seen one that has a shelf, but it's looked like a big finger? Uh, yeah, yes. You mean yes. the gooey duck clam? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a lot also. Oh right, I haven't seen those in any markets though. That no, must be uh, that we must be a regional special. No, no, but you can find them. Oh yeah, in, in some markets. So with, let's go back to what we were talking about earlier, which was um, how how the markets um, are becoming more popular with young people, yes. the younger generation. So it's kind of like been. I guess our generation that went away, turned away from the markets a little bit yeah, because we started working. Yes, our generation, at least in Portugal, my generation, start to see the growth of the supermarkets. So yeah. I think it's um, somehow it was the perception of the, um, the new period of um, a -war. rising country, a modern country. Right. And... I remember having one or two big supermarkets out of Lisbon, just that, and everybody right. was there on weekends to buy it. It was fancy at the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you see the reverse of it. Mm -hmm. So I think people value more the contact with the vendor. Yeah. They do value that the vendor knows your name, knows your taste, can... Uh, give you some advice on what to buy, what are the products of the season. Yeah. They normally tell you how to cook them. <laughs> oh, if, thank you, you. if you find a new product that you never cooked at home, most of them, they know how to, they, they teach you how to make it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a proximity shopping, Yeah. I would say. Right. And the young generation are looking for that more and more. Mm -hmm. And you see the big supermarkets coming into the town instead of having those big open markets, open markets yeah. out of the cities like retail parks, retail parks and starting to open small shops. Which leads us to another subject or topic which is killing the local independent business. Yeah. You see the small grocery shops, uh, 
we had a lot in Lisbon, inside of Lisbon, and they are being less and less every day. Yeah. They cannot compete or survive with the, the prices. Of course. And these chains buy in large quantities, so although they have small shops, they buy for hundreds and hundreds of shops at the same I time. I see. Oh, interesting. So they cannot compete <coughs> with and those. There's one more question I'm going to ask you, and then because now you're getting yes. business and everything. Um, we have noticed that everything is made in port. Like, you're not importing fruits and vegetables from other countries, it would appear. No, we are. You are. Portugal, yes. Portugal, we are. Because yeah. we haven't really seen, like, for Here instance, we it don't. was artichoke season in Madrid last year. Yeah. We literally ate baby artichokes every single day because that's my favorite vegetable. I have not seen any of those. And we went to Corte Inglés. And we bought artichokes there, which, yeah. by the way, their supermarket was absolutely incredible. I yes, have to say, it, it was amazing. I also like it. <laughs> I go there. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah, the, right. variety, the variety of products. Phenomenal. But if you go into the market and you look for a, a small uh, vendor there, yeah. it's amazing the variety of products she has. Oh, really? We'll take another so, look. In yeah. some markets, old markets, you find vendors there are making a huge effort to bring new products, new flavors. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sonia, thank you but so I'm doing much. What Doesn't Kill You is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.